What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to another Tasty Tuesday Talk. I'm Zebra, and for today's episode, I got to go virtually all the way to Switzerland to speak with the very talented music artist known as I Used to Be Sam. I Used to Be Sam has a touching story about being a transracial adoptee. So much to learn in this episode and so much to share, and I'm grateful for her sitting down with me. We're also going to talk about her amazing music, so let's not waste any more time further. Let's get into this Tasty Tuesday Talk episode with I Used to Be Sam. Uh, please introduce yourself. <laughs> Hi, I'm I used to be Sam. I am a singer and songwriter and and human person. <laughs> <laughs> human. Uh, and where are you from? Um, I'm from the States, so I'm from the East Coast. I grew up in Boston and then moved to New York, and now I'm currently living in Switzerland. Okay, yeah, because when we... Yeah. When I was messaging you, I had no idea really because I I just saw your uh, social media and obviously I heard your music, but I figured you were from the East Coast for some reason. I just, I got that vibe. And then when you said Switzerland, when in the messages, I was like, what? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm definitely not Swiss. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I wonder why, I wonder why I give off East Coast vibes. I mean, I'm cool with that. I'm just, I just maybe come some of the photography, maybe city yeah. I yeah. maybe that's but maybe the style you know it's different from I'm on the west coast so a little more are you from the west coast is that like where you originally yeah I'm from Washington state Washington state I, I lived in Beautiful. Washington I grew up there and for most uh my young life and then been in Los Angeles for yeah. most of my adult life <laughs> so um there was um one summer I was, was like 17 at the time where I was like like hippying it out on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. And we ended up buying, me and my group of friends, a, a really rundown school bus. Mm-hmm. And it broke down in George, Washington. And then we left it there and donated it to a bus commune. <laughs> it's just yeah. randomly. Yeah. And how long were you doing that for? Um, Like three months. And how old were you? 17. Wow, that must have been fun. Yeah, good times. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And then how, how did you end your making your way out to Switzerland? Yeah, um, I fell in love with somebody from Switzerland. Oh, wow. It was unexpected. For me, that's like the only reason to leave New York. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like a cool gig or like, you know, whatever. There's lots of reasons. For me, the reason at that point to leave New York was, uh, yeah, I was in love. And it just kind of, it just kind of happened. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and. Obviously, you do music, like you said, songwriter. Um, that's how I was attracted. I was attracted to your sound, uh, uh, your EP, which is called I Used to Be Sam, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And it just attracted me from the instruments to your voice, uh, to the lyrics. And um, going on your website and reading mm-hmm. about your bio, uh, that even attracted me more about you being an adoptee and yeah. all that so we can 
wherever you want to start, but I, I really want to talk about the music first. Um, cool. And how you developed this EP over, I guess, a matter of for how long? Like, yeah. Because you're dropping <laughs> singles, like, I noticed. And then it was in yeah, September so, 2022, you dropped it. Yeah, that's right. So instead of, um, it's an EP and not an album. And instead of just having like one or two singles, I was really, um, personally going through something that I hadn't been, I guess, conscious enough for earlier in life. And, um, I needed the music to reflect that. And usually there's such a like cookie cutter way of doing things in the music industry. Like, Mm -hmm. this is how you release this, this is what you want to do. And I think for my own mental health, I needed to like really remove myself from that. And I was like, uh, each of this is a each of these songs is a chapter of the story and I want a visual to go with each of the songs and I want to release each song kind of on its own and so so that's what we did it was like uh, a lot of work but um worth it <laughs> yeah yeah you did a you did a great job it I, I envisioned it it was like everything was an individual individual project yeah right yeah because yeah, totally. in, in your music the music videos that you put out uh it is telling something about yourself, obviously. And then the stories of people watch your music videos, the stories that are being shared throughout the music video. Can you? Yeah. So for like people who have no idea what we're talking Mm -hmm. about, which I'm probably everybody, (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, I'm, uh, adopted and I'm transracially adopted, which is when you're adopted into a household of a partially or totally different race than you, which, um, just adds a few other fun layers of kind of, intensity onto your experience I would say and um those those DNA tests were like had been out for a little bit and I ended up getting one for a a present like a Christmas present um and that kind of like really brought me onto this journey and I ended up finding my birth father which has been um super impactful and amazing and ended up getting a really kind of aggressive threatening rejection from my birth mother, not directly through um, somebody else. So I've never actually interacted with her in any way. And um, that rejection like pulled the rug out from under me. It knocked the air out of like my existence. Basically it's kind of worst case scenario. You, At least for me and most of the adoptive people I've, I've talked to and I've met, um, your birth mother, somebody think about all the time. Does she think about me on my birthday? Does she remember that? Like I'm, I'm of this person, you know, so that I really wasn't able to, um, hold on to that, that, that pain and that big emotion. And I knew I had to create and I had to like, let it go in some way or not let it go, but move through it in some way. And that's kind of how these songs started. And so for example, the first song grateful, um, was the first song I wrote for the project. And it was more, if you kind of hear the words, you'll hear it a little bit, but taking vows to myself of how I'm going to show up for myself in a way that I hadn't before and how I'm going to create boundaries that I was really incapable of making before this project. And um, if you check out the videos for each song, there's little pieces and interviews of um, conversations I had with other transracial adoptees, like 10 beautiful, amazing people um yeah that were really open um and warm with me kind of taking baby steps into this process and something most of these other people have uh, been dealing with for a bit longer than I have 
or consciously dealing with longer than I have. And so, yeah, it was really important to me to share or to have them share their stories the way that they wanted throughout the song. So that's kind of the the different aspects to the project. And you found that all you had very similar experiences. Yeah. So, I mean, we're all different. We all are people were internationally adopted. Mm -hmm. People from tons of different backgrounds were adopted all into white households. Um, And so, yes, some of our experiences are just our own and each family dynamic is its own thing. But yeah, there are some big themes that really Mm. kind of were sewn through all of our experiences. It it was uh, very touching though, (laughs) because I didn't expect that. Um, (laughs) Because with listening on Spotify or something, you know, you just get the music. But when you see, hear the video, then you hear these testimonials. It's, it's uh, very touching, very powerful. Um, I learned a lot. I learned from uh, listening to your, to the watching these videos online um because i think it is perceived that adoptees should be grateful um and we see the positivity out of it but we don't see we don't hear or see um the other side i think i've only known a handful adopted um kids when i was younger but yeah um and i think i mentioned this in a message i had a guest that was um yeah he was an old, older gentleman, but uh, he he was he was all right with it. He was more uh, this uh, spiritual mystic um, person, yeah. so he was like everything's yeah. meant to be, and um, that was the. I mean, cool for him. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. nice. It's a different, yeah. yeah, different experience, but um, it because everyone, like you said, everyone has their own experience. You know, yeah. there's there are posit- positiveness that comes out of it as well, but. Sure. You're shining a light on a different side of it, which I think should be heard and be told a little bit. Cause I, I mean, I didn't, you know, I don't know about this. You know, this was new to me as well. Yeah. I mean, you make a really good point. And that was um, the main reason I invited other adoptees if they wanted to come kind of hop on this project. And that's the main narrative that is <laughs> force fed to everybody. I mean, everybody down to like conversations around the family dinner table to in movies or like reunions on talk shows, all of these things, this narrative is so um, based around the adopters point of view and around toxic positivity and white saviorism and just general saviorism. And um, it's so damaging when only one voice is heard. Mm. And now through social media and adoptees being able to reach out to one another, there's now grown adoptees who are like, hey, actually, when laws are made about adoptive people, like when there's movies and narratives, and I mean, all all of these things that we've grown up thinking or not thinking about or only thinking about in a certain way, if you include our voices into these conversations, which for me, I think is a necessity, you'll start to realize there's a lot more to the story. There's Mm. so much more to the story. And when we ignore that because it's uncomfortable or because that means there's more work to be done on a lot of grownups' parts, whether it's the industry itself, because it's very much an industry, or um, the parents themselves, uh, it's it's hard for people to digest for like, but this is something we didn't have to worry about or do more work on. But yeah, everyone does, you know? And so it was just really abundantly clear that our voices weren't being heard. Um, and definitely weren't at the forefront of decision-making and lawmaking when it comes to adoption. And I feel really strongly that, um, it, it should be that way, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how was your 
childhood growing up with your um, adopted parents? Yeah. So um, I think I think I'm a perfect example of how, from an outside point of view, you would think nothing could go wrong. You know, I was adopted by two people who I know love me and loved me from the day they adopted me. And I was adopted into a middle-class household. So already that's tons of privilege thrown my way and not um, a privilege that everybody gets, you know, Mm -hmm. or every adoptee gets. So I think from an outside point of view, like what could I be complaining about? And I think a lot of adoptees get this, but, you know, I was adopted in the late eighties after I was like one and something. And, um, during this time, definitely before, and then also into the nineties, I think the, like, for way lack of a better term, the like woke parent or open-minded parent of that time was somebody who was totally colorblind. Hmm. So I was adopted into a house of you're just, you're like, you're just like my daughter. You're no different from us. You're, you know, all of these things. And, to not, um, for my differences to never even be acknowledged created like shame, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was othered in this, in this way, even though the intent wasn't there. And I really learned that, um, somebody's intent isn't more important than how they're making somebody feel, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So how was it for me? It was, um, because I didn't have a community of adoptees to like bounce thoughts and feelings off of, it was, I knew something was off and I didn't know what it was. I didn't know I was allowed to be angry about things for a long time. And um, the feelings of guilt, especially when the narrative is I should be only grateful for these people who took me in, um, the feelings of guilt really hindered me from being able to even know what I was feeling at the time. And it was only when I kind of came out of the fog or coming out of the fog now um, that I can look back with a little bit of perspective and pinpoint the things that were problematic, whether it was um, nobody knowing to lotion my brother's skin. So he was super ashy, nobody knowing how to take care of my hair. So it like unidreaded in the back and people called me rat's nest. Like, even things down to just like basic care of our bodies that differed from them. It wasn't even ever hmm. considered, you know? So there, yeah. Uh, did you have any, uh, did they have kids already or were you? No. So uh, like a lot of people, they had infertility issues. Hmm. And so I don't ever think kids should be adopted because you couldn't have the baby you wanted to have. <laughs> I don't think that's like a reason to do uh, zero, uh, to have zero education on what it means okay. to actually adopt another gonna, child. <laughs> I thought you were saying yeah. that they shouldn't adopt child children. <laughs> no, no, no. But, I'm, I'm saying I got it. I got I'm it. I'm saying that like they weren't but like, but like part of the trauma is that a lot of times people are adopted because they're they're fixing a couple's in, infertility issues, and yeah. that's a lot to put on a child and a lot to know that oh, you tried a different way before and that didn't work, so then you picked us and it's a, it's a lot of, it's, oh, yeah. it's a really multi-layered thing to internalize, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. I didn't think of it that way actually, <laughs> but yeah. And you have a great point because I would think, I mean, if I was going to adopt a child, especially if it mm-hmm. was a different race, I would just, I don't know, maybe it doesn't register with some people, but you have different skin, you have different hair than I do. Yeah. There has different care you know, I totally. So, 
I guess people, I guess it's a human nature thing, which is unfortunate, right? Like they, yeah, you're, you have a child yet you don't want to do any type of research to know how to care for the child. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's um like, honestly, the lack of education to adoptive parents, even if you're adopting within the same race, um, is horrendous. There's no education there. There's nothing about like the trauma of like not being with your birth family, yeah. even if you kind of look like the people you're like adopted into, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so to have no education just on like the most basic trauma responses of adoption to kids, And then if it's a transracial adoption, to have no education to the adopters on uh, how to take care of their bodies in ways that are different than mine, how to immerse them in their culture, how to have like racial mirrors for them, like within this community. I think if you, uh, first of all, I think transracial adoption should be like last case scenario, because I think people should at least try to be within their culture. Or if you're adopting somebody of a different race, like you really need to think how am I doing this because I want this or am I doing this because I think this will benefit this child the most? It's really always about what will benefit this child the most, you know? So it's like, people are like, well, then you just don't want people to adopt at all. No, it's not that. I just think there's a lot of like systematic work that needs to be done where we need to look at um, how can we first support the communities where the most kids are getting adopted out from how can we uplift them how can we like keep this kid in this family if this is possible and instead of closed adoptions where your identity is just erased like you didn't exist before like your ancestors aren't your ancestors your your birth certificate is doctored and changed so then your adoptive parents are on that and you like don't yeah you're just like you're just a race so you can be this clean slate perfect baby to fill this void for these other people because they wanted a baby and so instead of that I would really advocate for um open guardianships where you're still in a loving home with a family that loves you that can be mom and dad or mom and mom or whoever whatever adult wants like raise you in a conscious loving way but still um know where you came from can still like eat the food your people eat or mm. speak the language like your people mm. eat it was like so hard for me not to be able to speak spanish growing up because everybody still now comes up to me and speaks spanish and i'm just like uh so <laughs> what is your background then what you found out uh yeah so well the dna test is like really uh a lot there's like i'll just give you the the highlights and not the like 20 yeah, yeah of course <laughs> 20,000 things you did the 23 and me or I did ancestry. Okay, I did. I did ancestry as well. Yeah, yeah. I think I might want to do twenty three and me more also because I'm just curious. Is it? Yeah, my brother did it. It's interesting. My brother mm-hmm. did it, and I did the ancestry, and uh-huh. it was kind of different actually. <laughs> yeah, they had the main. Well, it was the main, but twenty three and me broke it down even more cool. further than ancestry because you know all this is still kind of new and. You, yeah, totally. you probably get emails still. Oh, we found out more more matches about yourself or something. Yeah. yeah. I have a lot of um third and fourth cousins mm. out there somewhere. <laughs> mm. They keep sending me emails like you have another match. And I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> um, yeah, but my birth mother is mainly Greek Albanian and broadly Middle Eastern. They mm. don't know how to pinpoint it yet on Ancestry. I guess if more people take tests, yeah. they kind of gather that data. There's something creepy about that, but for me it was very worth it. Um, and then my birth father's Puerto Rican and his background is, you can like see colonialism hard in my gene pool there. So there's a lot of like West African indigenous to Puerto Rico oh, wow. and um, some like Portuguese Islander and yeah. Okay. yeah. 
what, I mean, so what do you think about the whole like celebrities, you know, always it's a bit, yeah. you know, they highlight <laughs> them. Oh, look, say they adopt some African, African babies, you know, it's very, yeah. it seems very, seems like a lot of celebrities have done it or. Yeah, totally does. There's been, so like, if you look at the history of adoption, there's been um, different waves of like adoption being popular. And like, for example, in the 1950s, it was like when um, upstanding teenage girls got pregnant and they would just like disappear for nine months. There was like that kind of bundle of babies being handed out. Hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's like, and they're called different things. I should have like had this information prepared, but I don't. Um, No, that's okay. And then I was kind of in the wave of like the late eighties, nineties babies being adopted out. And then 10 years later, this, this wave of like kind of a white celebrities adopting non-white babies. Um, Yeah. I think it just totally reinforces the same kind of shit that we've been told about adoption when this happens, especially when they're such high profile people. First of all, adoption is such a personal story. There's like kids' stories and backgrounds and where they're from and all these things that are their stories to tell, not like tabloids or adoptive parents. Even on like Facebook groups, you're like, my adoptive child is suffering from this, this, and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this is this kid's business. And you're like talking shit about their birth family or whatever else. It's like so, um, it's it's just so ignorant. It's really, really ignorant when you have not done the work to educate yourself. And I think it's, again, the thing with intent not being more important than how you're making the people feel. Mm -hmm. So do I think all of their intent was like with love? Yeah, I do. I don't know. I don't think they're all like horrific human beings or something. I think people think when it comes to adoption, like love is enough and it's not. Love is not enough. Love is definitely part of it that you need to have, of course. Like kids need to be loved, you know, and taken care of and housed and like feel safe. They need all of these things. But when it comes to adoption and especially transracial adoption, you also need to do a lot of work to like back that up to make them feel like seen and heard and taken care of. And talking to, I mean, half, no, more than half, I would say like 90% of the people I talked to were raised for from my project were raised in like predominantly white neighborhoods and they were like the adopted kid, mm. you know? So yeah, yeah, I, I think I, I agree. I think that that would like, if it was school, that'd be that be, it was the adopted kid, you know? Yeah. My brother and I were the adopted yeah. kids, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and this other kid, it's Jack. like, that's what hi, they hi, associate with you first. Mm-hmm, totally. Yeah. You know? Um, which yeah. I mean, when you put in your, get in your shoes, that's not a really, you know, great thing to, you know, be associated yeah, with like, it. That's the totally. first thing that comes to people's mind, right? When they see you, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Or if you see your family unit and you clearly, like my brother and I clearly do not look like the rest of our family. We're so obviously like the adopted, like fa- faces mm-hmm. in this like sea of like jolly Irish people, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like really, uh, yeah, it's just another way of being othered. So, so how do I feel about these celebrities doing it? I think they should um, stop and spend their money like supporting the community so people don't need to like <laughs> give their babies up for adoption. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Uh, so how is your relationship with your family now? Your adopt- You call them your yeah. adopted parents or do you call? Um, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> um, 
I, yeah, they're like my mom and my dad. And then it's like my birth father. And I think my kind of sense of self and sense of family is pretty, um, I don't know, layered and all over yeah. the place. So yes, they're my parents and yes, they're my adoptive parents. Mm-hmm. They're both at the same time, kind of. But you don't call um, them by a first name. No. Okay. No. Okay. No. <laughs> they would be so taken aback by that. Okay. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. Maybe I'll try it when I go home. Yeah, just just mess around with just them. Throw it out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They'll think they're in trouble or yeah. something. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh so this project has brought up a lot. Mm. I think they're like older. They were older when they adopted my brother and then myself were adopted from different families. Um but my brother's my brother, even though he's my adoptive brother, he's like, we were like in it together mm-hmm. growing up, you know? So yeah, I don't really think about that. But um, with my parents, it's I think it's really hard to talk to older people, talk to older white people about um, <laughs> like racial mini aggressions and other things that we experience because I think it's hard for them to get past the, oh, but we didn't mean it like that, you know? But that doesn't mean our feelings aren't validated at the same time. And this project kind of brought up conversations that I've never had with them, I think, because I was scared. I know, because I was scared to have it Mm. with them because I love them. I don't want to hurt them. But I'm also allowed to, I'm also allowed to let them know that they hurt me, even though they didn't mean to, you know? And so, um, (laughs) yeah. I don't, yeah, it's like, it's loving and strained and um, there's still like work to be done. Yeah, it's there, not like I like came out with the CP and they're like, we're proud of you. That's it. Yeah. End of conversation. We're healed, you know? Yeah. But like, we're on, we're on the journey, I guess. I yeah. Hope. But you guys have a good relationship, bottom line, sort of. Yeah, I would <laughs> say it's complicated. Oh, yeah, complicated. I'll <laughs> take that. A it's, lot it's, of... it's like, yeah, it's like good and complicated. Oh, yeah. And I think. We're all going into it like wanting good. Yeah, but everyone so wants to learn important. and become better and make it work. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. I'll I'll let you know. All right. Check in in like a year. All right. It'll be the next EP. Okay, sick. <laughs> <laughs> Your next inspiration? Are you do you writing for another inspiration or are you currently just? Um, yeah. I mean, I assume you are. You're artist, so you're always yeah. juices are flowing. I'm sure. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so some songs have been written already, which is really exciting. It took, I, I took like a little bit of a break. It was, um, I'm really good at the like creative chaos, the like constant ideas and wanting to like create and do things, but the actual work it takes to release a musical project, like is a lot. It's like money, it's time, mm. it's like computer and emails and all yeah. the shit that I'm not well, good at. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. You did, everything was professional you did. So um your, the sound of you I recommend people listen to it. I mean, you mm. have a sound. I you have it. I, I really think you do. Um your voice <laughs> is you. unbelievable. Um that's so and, nice. Thank you. Uh, I mean I listen to a lot of music and I was just like you came up on a release radar, you know. Cool. And uh, um, release radar on Spotify is they have me down pretty much, I think, for the most part. Nice. So I try to listen to it um, because there's so many, you know, there's, they say between like 70 and 100,000 songs are released every day now. Whoa. That's what they say. Yeah, that's what I've read now. 
So, um, how do you make a splash in that? Right. Like that's, that's intense. Yeah. yeah. But how many are good? How many are bad? I mean, it's all subjective obviously, but, um, but like I said, I heard it. I was like, wow, I have to go right into and get immersed with how used to be Sam. Uh, but before we talk a little bit about music, I wanted to, so you, you mentioned it's in your bio. You used to go by your biological name. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So my before this DNA test and this rejection of my birth mom and like me kind of really intensely changing gears and being like, this is what I need to be making. I was Annie Goodchild, and there's like music. From Isn't me. that a random That's... name for adopted? <laughs> adopted Goodchild. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So what's really intense about that, which I only unpacked recently, um, Goodchild was a name that I like made up for myself because oh, okay. I like really, really didn't identify with my adoptive father's like German Austrian last name, not ever. Um, and so like before my first release with my old band way back in the day, um, I was like, I need to find, I need to find like a cool name. And there was this character in this book that was like just on one page, like a really minuscule random character. And their last name was Goodchild. And I was like, cool. Annie Goodchild. It hmm. like sounded like old school. I don't know. Like, but also yeah. Annie. So, yeah, Annie's that's that's my oh, adoptive really? parent. Isn't that kind of odd? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yes. Oh god. This. Okay, cool. I've been in Europe and a lot of people don't know. Oh, because like, it's American. Like, I yeah. guess musical. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh there was like horrendous fights in my house growing up, being like, How could you name me after the most famous orphan of all time? Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Can I swear? Yeah, you can. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I was like, what the fuck? I mean, there was like a lot of like full blown, full blowouts, just like, and so I was named after my adoptive mother's great aunt who like everybody loved, and she was this jolly Irish woman, like a lot of the women in in her family. And um it for me, it felt like a name I really didn't identify with (laughs) Mm -hmm. at all, and not my uh, adoptive father's last name at all. Um, so that, yeah, that was really hard. And I find it really weird that I picked the last name Goodchild now thinking back onto it being mm-hmm. like, Oh God, is that, was that some like subconscious? Like, I want to be a good child. I want people to love me and want me. And like, it could be, that's so fucked. If mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so sad. So, um, did, yeah. And did your biological father say your, tell your real name then, or how did you find out? No, because uh, because they erase your identity, so you're oh, clean slate, baby. So they do, when you're adopted, they give you a brand new uh, birth certificate. Of yeah. Them. Okay. Yeah, totally. So yeah, you were mentioning is, that. So they literally get rid of like your, your whole your past, existence. your past, and then try to. Yeah. It's almost like a pet, you know. When people get pets, they exactly. change your name. Yeah, it's, like, it's that's exactly what it is. I'm like the one thing, the one thing I could have had yeah. in life for my family was you keeping my birth name, the name that they wanted for me, which was Samantha, did, which is why I used to be Sam is the name of this project. Did did you find that that happened to everybody that you, have you talked to for the most part? Oh yeah. When you're adopted, they are like clean slate erase oh, wow. your humans. Yeah. Humans. <laughs> yeah. There's this really like awful, you can like hashtag it. There's this like super cringy, really dehumanizing term called gotcha day. Mm. Um, that like people call like their adoption day of their kids, like gotcha, like scooped you up, picked you up at the store. Wow. <laughs> now you're mine, like gotcha These are day. Parents yeah. Posting this. These are parents. Yeah, yeah, posting this. Yeah, it's um 
oh God, I really hate this term so much. It's just super dehumanizing. It's yeah. like, it is like a pet. And I think it is like just so indicative of the adoption industry. Like it's for the adoptive parent when it should be what can we do to benefit the kid or the baby yeah. or the teen the absolute most. Well, like you, you said, know? it's a business. It is a know? business. And when businesses get make money, they... You know, yeah. do the right thing sometimes. You do have I a, would say a lot of the times. Yeah, I'm trying history. to be giving benefit of death, <laughs> but I, I agree with you. <laughs> no, it's rough. There's like there's I mean, there's so much um coercion of adoptive uh of, sorry, of birth mothers who are really talked out of keeping their their babies. That happened to a few of the people um that I talked with for my EP, um, including one person who then went and got to meet their birth mother and they were like, yeah, they wouldn't let me hold you. I was like crying and I was trying to hold you and trying to decide if I wanted to keep you or not. And they like took you away from me and like all this fucking like awful (laughs) heartbreaking stuff. Um, And it's to, it's to make money. There's like, yeah, God, there's, check it out. Look at the history of, of people making money off of most of the time, Brown and black mothers giving up. Well, I heard, I know, I know it's not cheap. So no, no, it's not. And uh, it's more expensive to adopt white babies and kind of the darker you go, the less expensive you get, which is also totally fucked up, Mm. kind of just puts a value on, on babies' heads and race. So yeah, Yeah. there's, there's a lot to unpack there. Well, we don't need to go down the dark end right now. (laughs) No, no, we don't. (laughs) We can talk about music now. But what you had, uh, when you were talking about the little Irish, you had a little Irish and seamstress. I, yeah, like the sound. So, yeah, yeah. I like it. Was, it was a little different from the other five songs, right? But, yeah, yeah. So, uh, how do you, how do you, how do you, you work with a producer, obviously? Yeah. Uh, what, um, for this EP, I worked with one, only one producer. Yeah. I knew this was not like an Annie Goodchild project. This, this was something. Your sound was, just felt so, so. Your sound is. Would you say your sound is different from Annie Goodchild? Um, I think just as like taking adoption out of it, just as a musician, like my voice love for like harmonies and choirs and strings Mm -hmm. in general is, is in everything. Mm -hmm. But um, I think it's an elevated sound for, I used to be Sam for sure. But I mean, I love folk music. I love cinematic music. I love soul music. And and you can, it has a flavor of all that in there. Cool. It's good. Like you called it, uh, what was it? the, The term I read, it wasn't like, it was something off pop or something yeah like left field pop left field, or left field cine- pop yeah cinematic yeah yeah, yeah. i like that like cinematic folk alt pop ish yeah yeah, yeah. It's just, it's the vibe. yeah keep that <laughs> um thank you the couple songs that touched me was grateful and forgiveness those are my favorite songs cool nice nice that's really nice to hear so how much are you involved? I mean, you write all your music mm-hmm. and you, how much are you involved into the sound when you're working, yeah, with, com- working with the completely. Producer? Yeah, completely. I'm, uh, yeah, I need to, I need, so when I'm writing a song, usually before the song is finished or kind of when the idea is just starting to form, I usually kind of have a general flash of the soundscape of the whole song or I like know what I want. I know how I want, the finished product to make me feel. And so each song that was written, I worked with a producer named Nova in Berlin and um, they were really wonderful, really um, patient and kind and 
yeah, patient and kind with me. And I knew that I needed somebody like that to make this project with. And a lot of the songs I wrote in the studio. So most of the songs were written kind of in one session in the studio with this one other person. Yeah. So I had maybe like a couple themes on like grateful. I had this like, like on the piano happening and a couple like lyrics for other stuff. Um, but I would really kind of go in maybe with like a little idea and we'd have these long conversations. The first hour to hour would me just be figuring out how I was feeling, how to communicate that feeling as honestly as possible, what I wanted to say. And then we would kind of start pulling in sounds that fit that world, you know? So forgiveness, for example, the, this, there's like this really kind of mantra, like repetitive, like thing on piano. And it was a bit longer and we kept editing down and down. And then it really just became this kind of like circle of notes that I was meditating on and, and the song really built just, just from that. So, yeah. No, you can, you just can get lost to it, you know, to your sound, to that sound. Yeah. Just disclaimer. Um, yes, this is, uh, music about transracial adoption in my experience, but this is also music about like self-love and love and fear and abandonment and kind of a lot of themes I think a lot of people deal with in general I think it's possible if you had no idea that that's what this EP was about you could just enjoy the songs you know yeah that that I had no idea I was just enjoying it and you could take it for whatever you take it and whatever makes you feel because lyrics are lyrics until you start reading more about it then you're like oh okay I see that but there's a lot of music I've listened to, and I took it a different way. Like I took it, maybe the person was going through a traumatic time, but I yeah. took it for me, it was more, made it more of a positive. But that's such a beautiful up, thing was, about art and music yeah, in general. You can uh, exactly. see your, so you can see yourself in it. But speaking mm. about that, growing up, I had other than Annie, the musical yikes, I had no mm. art form to mirror my experience. I, was so passionate about music for so long and there was no album I could listen to that was talking about what I was going through. So it was really important for me to create this music for some like adopted kid sitting down being like, I mean, adoption is such a, it's still like taboo. There's still so much shame about it. People don't talk about it. And it's still such a kind of lonely experience to have. Why do you think that? I mean, I think up until recently, people didn't talk about being adopted, especially if it was mm-hmm. a not transracial adoption, because, uh, yeah, it was like shameful to some people or embarrassing for people because it would other you in some way, you know, mm-hmm. but like, what was wrong with you? <laughs> Why didn't your parents want you, you know, or whatever it was. So mm-hmm. I really wanted to make music to mirror my experience and to mirror other adoptees experiences too. Yeah. It was kind of. Well, I think it- I think you mentioned it, but that's a positive sign about like social media because you can find a community that, you know, you all could come around together and support one another and spread the, the, you know, your experiences about it and the other side. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm sure there's a huge community on social media. Yeah. And I remember when it like dawned on me for the first time to be like, hashtag adoptee like is that a thing like are there are we out there yeah so yeah there is there's like really super amazing adoptee who are who are adoptees and adoption educators that are out there 
um, like writing books and yeah, having podcasts, like so, so much, so much goodness is out there. So if somebody in your life is adopted, if you are ever thinking about adoption or anything like that, like go listen to adoptee voices, listen to our stories, learn from us. There's a cat in the background with a <laughs> scarf on. That's so cute. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're out there. There's a beautiful community out there. So, so, so check us all out. Yeah. <laughs> listen to your music. Listen to, listen to my music. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So w- w- what do you have? Because you say you, is that kind of your creative style is to work on the fly then? Is that how it's us- yeah. been recently or is it just mm. always like that? So when I used to play like with a band band back in the day, we would like jam out and write together if some, you know, but um now one studio time is super expensive, right? So oh, to yeah, like go in with like a full finished song and being like, I just want this producer to produce this costs a lot of money. So what a lot of artists are doing now is having um, writing sessions with producers that they like. So the producer gets writing credit on the song and that's kind of how you pay them instead of for the actual studio time. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a trade. It works out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, you made you made this EP. I so. made this EP, yeah, oh, and yeah. yes, and it felt. I think I needed to. Um, I, I when I wrote these songs, it was all still really new, and the hurt was still really new of this kind of rejection. Um, that I think I needed to just feel overwhelmed and just like outpour, kind of yeah. at once these songs. It was like cathartic experience. Totally, totally was. Mm-hmm. I think it'll continue so to be. This, yeah, it was a this huge weight lifted off your shoulders by you getting this all out? I wouldn't say that it was like a weight lifted off, but it, um, how I describe it is it felt like movement in a place that there was no movement at all before. And that Mm. feels, that feels like growth. So I'll take it. (laughs) Yeah. So where do you see yourself moving forward in this near future of your creativity? Yeah. So, so after this inspired by, Oh God, I'm inspired by everything. And so many, so many amazing artists, um, all the time, all all the time. It's like a Mm -hmm. influx of too much information all the time. (laughs) Um, 2023. (laughs) Um, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm writing again. I took a little break after the EP was like released just to be like, Whoa, that was a lot of work. Um, Mm -hmm. and now I'm like slowly getting more educated on adoption and the adoption industry in general, and kind of having internal conversations about how I'm feeling about things. I'm exploring how adoption affects kind of all of my relationships, not just like parental relationships. There's like a big aspect of feeling not enough and people pleasing because I don't want people to leave or me thinking if I stand up for myself or hold boundaries with one person, then that'll create a confrontation and they'll leave. And then I'll never make another friend again. Like there's all these like mind fucks that kind of constantly happen. So I'm, I'm starting to explore that. And I think that's going to be really important for me and hopefully for others to, to hear that music (laughs) of, of, of what that, what that'll be. So yeah, it's happening. It's happening now. And I'm kind of slowly doing some collabs with a Norwegian artist called Red Moon, which I'm really excited about. Um, and with another friend, Legion Seven, who's like the most yummiest, amazing, also my best friend person. We have a group called Not Not Hot. And it's um 
it's like trash and chaos and just yumminess. So if you like really weird shit, you can check that out. If not, just listen to this. What is that called? Not not hot. Like not not hot. We're not not hot. We're not saying we're hot. So it's spelled like N-O-T. Yeah, N-O-T, N-O-T, H-O-T. Yeah. We we and that's you can find that music online. Um no, actually, actually, maybe not even. Let me think about this. No, just like a lot of like weird deep cut live performances so uh, coming at some like weird art shore near you maybe a not not hot show uh, so if i went on the youtube verse and i don't are we on I youtube i don't even know if we're on youtube <laughs> <laughs> listen again really good with the creating really bad with all the okay. buttoning to amp up the creating yeah all right uh <laughs> i'll send you a link though so, if you want at some point all right yeah i'm always down to hear some weird, like weird shit stuff. yeah cool yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, the more creative, the better. Yeah. Okay, cool. You might like Nana Hot yeah. more than um, I used to be Sam. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I think one. Let's is, talk to them. Yeah. I, we've made like a lot of Swiss and German people feel extremely uncomfortable. And we've taken that as a big win just artistically. So, yeah. Hmm. yeah. How has uh, the music been received out in Switzerland? Or do you, is it more, do, where, where do you see the listeners coming from? Um, like statistically from Switzerland, yeah. Germany, the UK, like New York, LA, oh, really? and so, some places in okay. South America, which is cool. I'll take it. Um, yeah. But I mean, I hope my music reaches everywhere, you know, because I think there's yeah, themes yeah, yeah. in well, the music for, for everyone. Well, it should be. It should be heard a lot more. Thank, thank I, you. I should be heard by a lot more people. Thanks. I mean, that's why I think you really, you really have a sound, and um, it needs to be heard. And I think, yeah, just keep at it. And thank you. Things should uh, blow up. I hope they blow up because they should. I hope so too. That would be You're very talented. So nice. Yes. That would affirm so many of my uh, adoption not good enough tendencies. So that would be great news. I I yeah. Take just it. keep doing your thing. Yeah. I mean, there, you've. There's a lot of motion in your music. Yeah. And don't don't lose that. So, but Thanks. can we expect anything for 2023? Oh, maybe towards the end of the year. Yeah. But I mm-hmm. like, I'll, I don't know. I'll let you know. I'll let you know if that happens. Right now, I'm still in like, I'm going to take pop up some on my release radar. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> right now, I'm going to. Well, now you will. Yeah. Now I will. So, so, yeah. Once you start listening to someone's music, they, they uh, send you. Yeah. Nice. More. Um, for the next few months, I just, I want to like totally not give any effort into the industry of music. I just want to create. Mm-hmm. I want to like be with people who make me feel good. I'm like still mm-hmm. healing. I'm so I'm like going to have fun and make sounds for a couple months and like release little snippets of things in the meantime. And then hopefully by the end of the year, like another release will come out. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for your time. <laughs> it was great meeting you and hearing about your story. I- um, I learned a lot again and I'm, you've educated me and, cool. uh, and you educate other people, but I really appreciate you sh- staring, uh, sharing your story. Thank you so and, much uh, for having me and being interested and like g- yeah. literally giving, giving a mic to an adoptee to share, share their voice and their story. That's so important. Tasty Tuesdays. Thanking you for your time this time. Until next time, we'll see you again next week, same time, same channel.